0: hey everyone welcome to the spiritual underground podcast this is your host Dan Uh, if you're just stumbling upon this podcast for the first time uh, we are primarily a 12-step recovery podcast but I do like to explore ways in which uh, anyone and everyone finds their true self I think uh, I haven't said that in a while that definition of recovery that I like is to find that which was lost or stolen uh, in most cases, what we have lost, uh, as my guest here in a minute had pointed out to the to the nurse that was just in here, uh, Darren put it in the words of it: uh, we would lost our connection with God. Uh, for those people that kind of shiver at the God thing, uh, we've also lost connection with our actual inner self, with the actual core of our being, our 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 essence, our soul, our spirit. And that's why we talk about this being a spiritual program. Is that uh, you know I look at it as being like working on the very spirit that's inside of me, not something that's outside of me. Uh, and so when I'm healing spiritually, it's my actual spirit that is uh, being worked on. The, the spirit that makes day and day, and just like my thumbprint would be able to identify me, uh, that spirit I have is 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 not like any other. And so that's what we do here. We uh, help people get in touch with the the spirit, with their own spirit, find their true self, their true voice, and uh, that's what we do here at Spiritual 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 Underground Podcast. Uh, I'm here with uh, Darren today. Come by and visit him. We come by. Christopher and I came by and visited him on uh, Christmas Eve, and. Uh, the fact of the matter is is that I've had a little shortage of guests new guests wanting to come in and tell their story uh so I'll do some uh um, another thing that's tapped into as a result of my spirit healing is that my creative side can come a little bit more live so with that uh we're sitting here today at Darren's room and we're going to do some talking. Uh, we really don't have a particular topic, Darren had brought up a couple of things, but one thing that I've uh, uh, realized about myself is I have no lack of words. Uh, I can see now why uh, God put this podcast in my hands. and. Um, and we juice things up you know I mean it's just the way it is when I get together with my buddies that understand this plane that we live on today uh, there's no end of like conversation you know and there's no running out of things to say uh, and everybody's got a little different angle on how these things are uh, presented in their life so uh, I know a couple of the things uh, that you just talking about how are you doing tonight Darren first oh, I'm doing great then, doing uh, really good now I could see the when I walked in The light in your eyes, which is another thing you know you see in the big book. It said the thing that they could he could see the what he could see the the deal in their eyes, you Mm -hmm. know, and and we can see that in one another. Um, And I saw when I first walked in, I saw that right off uh, that your eyes were bright, Uh, and not always is that the case, right?
1: Yep.
0: one of the Just to get rolling, one of the topics that you talked about before and it's hit me a couple times and just since you mentioned it to me the other day, was the line in the big book that says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our problem or troubles? Troubles. Troubles. Uh, I brought my big book with me because in case I need to actually grab it and make sure... Uh, the root of our troubles. And and one of the things that I see a lot of people struggle with is just the difference between what those two things mean, selfishness and self-centeredness. And uh, another miracle of recovery is is that Dan no longer has to think he knows (laughs) what everything is. I love that I can say, I'm not sure, I don't know. There's a part of my life where I thought I had to know everything and have the right answers, and then would really be down on myself if I a didn't know or b I was wrong. So, uh, what do you what in your words? What's the difference between selfishness and self-centeredness?
2: Well, before we started our podcast, uh, one of my nurses come in and, and we she was asking what our podcast was going to be about. And Dan said it was going to be about recovery, and and she has some. Um, background in that she has some family members and uh, so uh, Dan had mentioned when we started that I use the word God um, Normally, I would just say you know my inner self or, or my you know inner wisdom or inner knowing or whatever But with her I felt the ness uh, felt it necessary to say that word and she she related to that word, but the, what what happened was um, Dan and I shut up like we know to do and let her talk. And in her talking, she was discovering truths about herself because we were listen, listening and lifting her up with our energy. And and uh, there was one point in the conversation where she stopped and said this is really deep because yeah. she was telling us stuff that she normally wouldn't tell people and um, it's in the listening and and that's the difference between uh, self-centeredness or that's the solution to self-centeredness it's getting beyond that getting past the ego and reconnecting and in this instance Dan and I connected her with our energy to her inner knowing, and she was able to figure some stuff out. Because by the end of it, where she was uh, upset with the person, she realized that she was the one that was that needed to look at herself, and that is is why I do this. Um, the, the number one discovery that I found was the uh, uh, number one healing tool that I use to this day is to listen to other people. When they're talking, I listen. And my only intent is for them to heal. And, you know, I, I'm not really listening to respond. I, I'm listening for them to get it out. Because if you can get that energy out, the answers are inside you. I don't have to tell you anything. Sometimes I can pick up on your answers before you do and maybe guide you in the right direction. But that's, that's it's such a simple thing is just shut up and listen and let them get it out. That's if you're nothing what I say today. If you want a good relationship or a good situationship, uh, whatever that may be, that's a little inside joke there. Uh, whatever that may be, listen to the other person, not to respond, but just listen to let them get it out because they're suffering and they need to get that out. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program uh, on uh, the difference between selfishness and self-centeredness everybody knows what selfish is you've been told your entire life you're selfish if you're an addict or an alcoholic you've been told that but what's what's this self-centeredness thing the way i describe it is um there's a song by toby keith uh um, i can't remember the exact title but it's i want to talk about me you want to talk about i want that one um that's self-centeredness. I just want to talk about me, 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 um, and everything's about me. You know, I remember when I first got sober, I was taking my dog out to pee, and that little bitch would sniff every freaking tree in the whole courtyard where I lived, and and he was just doing it because he knew it bugged me. That's self-centeredness. <laughs> To a T, that's self-centeredness. Everything was about me. Even a dog taking the piss was about me. And you know, our whole country is self-centered. Everything, politics affects people, and uh, the Democrats do this, and it affects you. The Republicans do this, and it affects me. Why? Why does it? Why are you letting it affect you? Um, because you're tapped in or tuned in to that rather than tuned in to your inner knowing, your inner wisdom, and the way I've found to get out of that self-centeredness, and that's more important. Understanding what it is is one thing, but how you get out of it, and, and that's through service, through giving, through listening, through making someone else your point of attention then you being the center of attention. Okay you can talk for a
0: while. <laughs> That's great man. Uh, There's a whole bunch of things that run through my head when you when you say that and it did it was cool that you watched somebody work it out or at least work some of it out. It was not like she walked off and the problem that she had when she walked in wasn't there anymore. but there were some realizations that happened and we had nothing to do with it
1: Planner We didn't seed. give
0: her any ideas but when we went like it was kind of like a thing that I had to watch out for today even. Is trying to give somebody what I think they should do you know or try to uh, shed some insight on what this person was telling me and you you know and to give that up and say you know, I don't know what the hell she ought to do you know mm-hmm. uh, and there was a couple times where I was tempted to interject something along the lines of my experience of what she was sharing but I bit my tongue and just shut up you know and uh, and it was cool that she uh, well, there's something about the answer is there. You know, you just got to find it. And generally, the answer is inside yourself. Um, there's a couple of guys that I'm listening to a bit on podcasts talk about. They got two words they're using. One of them is the dialectic, and one is dialogos. And much like self centeredness and self-selfish, I'm not exactly sure I know what the difference is in it. But one of the things is is that there is a uh, a knowing a learning process just in us dialoguing that when what we're doing here and what she did and just having the space and and I think another human being is necessary in that because you can't just do that to your, you know we know we can't hardly do that to, with ourselves right mm. uh, when I've done some solo podcasts I've sometimes invited somebody to sit across there and just so I would have somebody to yap at rather than sit by myself and yap at the tools in the shop or whatever. Mm. Because it makes it easier to talk when I have another human being in there to listen to me. Uh, I agree with the self-centeredness definition there that that's, you know, the problem with it is, uh, you know, I can make somebody's self-centeredness be my self-centeredness because I started getting bothered by this person making it all about them. Mm -hmm. And then I'm making it about me. I'm making their being about them all about me. Uh, something else that I've noticed too, you know, uh, how I've noticed these, like, we've had a couple of tragedies and we've had the pandemic and, you know, we've had, uh, like, the tornadoes and some things like that. That I've noticed these people, like, take that on too. You know, there's, like, a tragedy someplace and they will voice it as if it was something that was actually personally, like, they were in the tornado, mm-hmm. you know. Now, if you were in it, uh, you should have some reason. And I have no lack of compassion or empathy for the people that had to that had to go through that. But I, I, I don't. I no longer take on somebody else's tragedy in that manner. You know. Yeah. Um, in the twelve step world, I notice like there's some trickery going on. And one of the things we do since we know this self-centeredness is a problem and we know that that service and putting your energy on somebody else, a whole bunch of what we're asked to do is focused at that. You know, So when you're asked to put up the chairs at the end of the meeting and, you know, and when we share and we come together and meet and you chair the meeting. And you do these service things, or we suggest that maybe you go out and do some service that takes that focus off of you and 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 forces you to focus on some somebody outside of you, uh, and you put it pretty simple you know that that's the solution and we don't really state it that simply when we're doing it we just tell you go do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) shut up and go do it Uh, I think coming to meetings helps break that at some level because like what it does is when I go to a meeting uh, I can't tell you how many times I went in there with something on my heart but somebody else shared and my problem got real small real fast
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, one particular time was when uh, I remember I had a problem at work that day, and I really struggled, and I got an argument with my boss, and you know, wasn't a terrible argument, but it was an altercation anyway. And I thought I had some, you know, I was in early recovery, so that was a big deal to Dan at the moment. um, That quit being a big deal, Uh, and I came in, and a guy stuck his hand up for a burning desire, and said that his brother was murdered last night, Mm. and uh, and. uh, for lack of a better way to say it the hammer of god come down and hit me right on the head and made me realize just where my problem was today mm. in the grand scheme of things uh, and it forced me to put my attention with some compassion and empathy for another human being which essentially all but relieved my problem you know it didn't even exist anymore uh, that magic of us uh sharing in meetings. It's a uh jump in any time. It's a hard thing to overcome though. It's it's a survival skill in a sense. You know, it's something of the dichotomies here of, you know you're not gonna get better until you're ready and willing to get better. But I'm not supposed to focus on me. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you're self-centered, and we will hear some of that from people who are the loved ones of recovering individuals. Mm-hmm. We'll see like a selfishness in their eyes will jack up because now all of a sudden this dude or gal or whatever is spending all their time going to meetings, meeting up with other alcoholics, meeting their sponsor, and be called selfish or self-centered because all they're doing is focusing their energy. On themselves which at some point that's a requirement of this thing too so
2: well at the, at the end of the day we in recovery realize that it's all driven by fear so selfishness I'm gonna lose something that I already got I ain't gonna get something that I want um, self-centeredness this is always going to be this way um, uh, I'm I'm things are never gonna change I'm gonna be stuck with this person drinking and drug and they're not gonna do anything about it and you know I'm gonna to have to you know be alone with the kids and, and the mind can just race and race and create all these different scenarios if you let it um, what we did tonight was uh there were a couple times when my nurse was in here and um she was uh sharing and um at one point she she acted like she wanted some answers, so I went to offer an answer and immediately she started talking again. <laughs> and I've learned that with especially with my sponsees is where I learned it and later I could apply it to my wife or whoever is um people don't listen when they're stuck in ego mode or fear mode so you need to let them talk and every once in a while you throw a word in there and they'll either start listening or they'll jump over top of you and start they need to talk more so you got to let them talk through that fear and then I usually notice a a change in their mood Uh, they'll do a an sure. Excel or something like that, and then I can offer. And it's usually not much. Uh, usually, I'll just try to guide them into solving their own problem. But but a key thing is when there's when they're driven by fear, you got you gotta let them talk themselves out. You gotta let them expel that energy, and then their ears will op- magically open up. And and you said it a minute ago. It's all about. The compassion that's generated through listening and and I learned that um, from a Buddhist monk but actually I learned it in AA meetings because somebody would say something and I would relate to him and my heart would go out to him and that's what compassion is um, and and my heart was so out of practice when I got in here it was like uh, um, you know my leg muscles right now because I haven't walked in over two and a half years. They're really weak. So Acrophy. if I try to stand up, I'm gonna fall down. That's where my heart was. It was really weak. It wasn't used to working, but it did work. It just took some practice, and and uh, and I had to have um, a proving ground like AA where I could uh, be around people and or I had no history with them. I hadn't harmed them because I'd feel guilty if if I tried this with my family. So I would go spend, like you said, I'd spend a lot of time with these other people. But I was using these people, um, not in a negative way, but using these people to develop these new tools. And um, I could do so freely because I hadn't harmed them. Um, And then later on, I was able to apply that to everybody. But... uh,
0: yeah, it's uh, interesting that uh, I always see, you know, guys come around and they know somebody in the group and they will instantly think that's the guy that they should work with, you know. The fact of the matter is, the guy that's probably going to save you is a stranger. If you've got any kind of connection with somebody, uh, and that's another, you know, I, actually it was one of the biggest reliefs I had in the very first day meeting I went to was in my little hometown of New Albany and I was scared to death that I would know somebody in that meeting. And I'll tell you, not even then did I understand. I understand the relief because I remember the relief that came over me when I scanned that room and realized that every single one of these people were strangers to me. You know, (laughs) because that allowed me to like, okay, I can. I wouldn't have anything to hide. I don't have to act tough in front of this dude I went to school to with, or you know, we have learned behaviors with our family, and like to just break them on a, you know, start stopping those behaviors and doing new ones with an old audience is basically impossible. i got to have this new audience or this new support in order to be able to, uh, to turn this page and exercise these muscles that are uh, like your heart and these, these recovery muscles that we had to begin to start uh, learning to use, you know, I, don't, I didn't even have any idea those muscles existed, to be honest. Uh, until I started coming around here, and, and then you know, you know, before long, you know, this time thing that's hanging around, keep coming back. Uh, our little cliches we say uh, will actually will we'll do that to you. I don't know if you come to AA for a while, if you come to and visit twelve step meetings, and I know a number of people that do it. I know people that can't put together any time. Uh, I know right off of my top of my head one guy who's been doing it for fifteen years, and I don't think he's ever got a year. But he's a better person. <laughs> he's better than he would have been had he not been doing that. I promise, mm-hmm. you know. And he's a really good guy. He just can't stay sober. That's true. Right. Uh, and you know that's ultimately ends up being it's nothing sponsees, new people want to assure you. You know that's so, you know Darren. I'm a really good person. Dan, I'm, I'm a really good person. I'm, I know you're a good person. I can feel that you're a good person. Man, you're just sick. And part of that sick is not having known how to use these muscles that God gave you and were intended to be used. Um, an inebriated, hiding, and numbing, you know, that's what nerd things. is. You know, all that stuff really is just numbing things. You're desensitizing yourself. Uh, Christopher would say that... Uh, all humans have these same conditions we have. Alcoholics, you know, we kind of set ourselves apart, and also, you know, the damn book even says that that sets us apart from other people. Uh, and then we get, we love that, because that gets us into that unique place we like to be, the terminally unique, we pet that terminally unique muscle, and you go, yeah, I am different than everybody else. But there is some truth to the fact that we feel things at a deeper level. Like there's our sensitivity to criticism is higher than another person. And our, you know, all of our sensitivity meters. So then, uh, when we overload, we can't handle it. Uh, so then we start putting stuff in us that will tone that shit down, mm. and you don't have to feel as much. When uh, problem is, like Brene Brown says, is when you numb the, good, when you numb the bad, you also numb the good. Mm. You can't do one without numbing the other one. Uh, and sponsoring new people, man. There's nothing that's better for your self-centeredness than to devote time to walking somebody through this work. There's nothing better that I have ran into in my experience. There's nothing better for me uh, than to put your attention solely on the betterment of another human being or whatever, with that being your sole focus. Knowing you're not going to get paid for it. Knowing you're not going to get you know you're not going to get any material goods out of helping this guy. Uh, but it definitely, uh, it, 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 it's a, you know, like we say, this thing isn't, we're never cured. I don't know if I'll ever be cured of self-centeredness. But by doing that, it keeps my self-centeredness at bay. And uh, I don't, <clears throat> eventually, I begin to have a heart that thinks about other people more Then It's worried about me And that helps everybody that ever comes in contact with me helps my children my parents Um, I'll run out of gas on that particular line
2: in the big book It talks about when we go to bed uh, Before we go to bed
0: when we retire at night. Yeah, when
2: we retire at night um, We look uh, at our day and uh, part of it says we ask ourselves where have I been selfish today? Mm -hmm. Where have I been self-centered? Where have I been dishonest? Where have I uh, shown resentment or anger? Uh, And where have I been afraid? Afraid. And those are... I like the analogy that fear is like the mob boss, the Tony Soprano character, and then you got, uh, um, I think the biggest hench- henchman is resentment or anger, uh, of course, and so does Bill Wilson. Um, but then you got uh, dishonesty. You know, if you need, if you need to hide from something, dishonesty is your biggest tool. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get selfishness, uh, make you feel better. If I can control somebody and get something I want. Um, well that control thing that's a big one too, but uh so those are the things that we watch out for and and then when it says when they come up, um we ask God or or the higher power to remove it, and then we talk to somebody about it if we need to, you know sometimes you know when I pray about it, uh I can let it go right then, but if I can't let it go, then um uh. I call my sponsor. I call somebody and talk. Share about it
0: with somebody. It.
2: And then the part people forget is then we turn our attention to somebody else. That's when we can be of service, because you can't transmit. It's another word word sentence that he uses. You can't transmit what you don't have. So uh, sometimes I won't even answer the phone if I'm not in a good spot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If I'm in pain, I'm self-centered. I can't help but be self-centered because I'm afraid. Because I'm like, I've been in pain before and I know that it can last for a long time. And my mind will tell me I'm going to be in pain for the rest of my life. And so I get trapped in that self-centered ego world. And that's another thing. This ego that everybody talks about, I talk about it. Mm -hmm. Show it to me. Show it to me. It's not real. There's nothing tangible that the ego is in an active, functioning being. It's not. Uh, it's a collection of ideas. Most of them weren't even my own. They were conditioned into me. And I've taken on this persona. And the only way to for this persona to convince you that it's real is through judgment. Uh, I'm better than this person. I'm worse than this person. Um, through control, through dishonesty, all these things are feeding this ego to make it, uh, it's like it wants to be, uh, like Pinocchio. I want to be a real boy. I want to be a real boy. And if I can just get you to believe all these things, I'll be in control. And, uh, and that's that's alcoholism when the ego starts to see like if they if you're listening to this right now and um, and you haven't worked on your ego it's gonna tell you to turn this stupid shit off I don't want to hear it no more um, or is gonna listen take note to what I'm saying because you ain't really hearing it anyway. You're off in your head thinking about what you're going for breakfast tomorrow. But it's listening and it's keeping notes. So when it comes time for you to start doing work, then it's going to jump on you, then it's going to attack you. Um, that's why these guys with 15 years coming to meetings, uh, that ego will spit that big book out left and right because it's heard everything that's ever been said about recovery in 15 years. So it can spout that book out for you, and and make you think that you're really recovering, when it's just using another way to pull, pull the wool over your eyes, or in the matrix they say pulling the world over your eyes. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I like that. Uh, you said something that caught me, and i and I, it's the first time I thought about it from that angle. You know, this book says we can't transmit something we haven't got, which to me always meant like that I need to have like sobriety, recovery, that and I wouldn't be able to transmit that unless I had it, right? And I think that probably is a context of what it is. Uh, but you were talking about keeping your mouth shut when somebody calls and you're in a bad state, you know, and so when I'm also in a selfish place or I'm up in my head, you know, uh, <clears throat> it's maybe not a good time to Talk to somebody at that point because at the moment I'll be transmitting what I have. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of you know. I mean, you make that judgment call all the time by looking at your telephone to decide if you're going to answer that or not. And I have a lot of reasons to answer the phone calls today. Uh, but sometimes I know it's just not the right time to pick up the phone for a particular reason, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, some new guys calling me and And I'm just not feeling all that goddamn spiritual at the moment. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going to let that go to voicemail right now because, and I hadn't thought about that that line just reversed on me. Uh, As so many things in this program do, there's this dichotomy of so many things, like I was saying earlier about this being a deal where I really have to work on myself to get it. I do have to work on myself, but also at the same time I got to not be selfish and self-centered <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in those two things don't really you know they don't make sense that you do both of those it's it's the 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 one everybody knows is just surrender to win right uh, How how's that make sense and uh, also that transmitting stuff uh, is not just a there's not a check valve in there or something that keeps it from being uh, one thing or the other I can transmit crappy stuff Mm -hmm. it's just as easy and if I don't have it then I can't transmit it Uh, I like that Um, I was say that we'll get in here you know and one of the big ones that we talk about is like fear you know that it's we must have fear you have to you'd run out in front of cars in the street and uh, jump off of high places and mm-hmm. do things like that, you know, and it's again, some of this dichotomy stuff of uh, we'll have to learn how to direct our, you know, to use our fears in ways that are healthy and not unhealthy and that, that uh, there's no better, no better place for a problem than in my, in my head and me all by myself mm-hmm. um, because we do, we spin, That's like a, there's a momentum generating thing in fear that will ramp up into almost like a mania if I allow that to spin into into the future, you know, and that's the crux of like the one day at a time stuff or the one minute at a time or the be present where you're at right now. Uh, those are the antidotes for me for things like fear and anxiety and that kind of stuff because everything I fear, 100% of the things I fear haven't happened yet. You know, it doesn't make any difference if it's in two minutes mm-hmm. or ten days or three years. It hasn't happened yet. I'm sitting here burning my energy, fearing it, and it hasn't even happened. It's make-believe. I'm making up shit uh, <laughs> to be afraid of, ultimately. Uh, there's a likelihood that maybe something was, these things, you know, if you start fearing that maybe your parent's going to die, well, there's almost a 100% certainty that that is going to happen. Mm. <laughs> but it's not an almost. There is a 100% certainty that that will happen. But. Um, I think about like I heard somebody say that you know we get we get this measured amount of energy to spend every day and to put it in computer terms let's say we get a hundred gigabytes every day that we get to burn. We wake up in the morning and laying on your bed next to you is a brand new hundred gigabytes of energy and then but we get to decide where we're gonna burn that energy and things like fear and self-centeredness and uh, Uh, selfishness uh, dishonesty all those things they're not as efficient as certain other things like love compassion empathy they get a they you get a lot more miles per gallon (laughs) out of those energies Mm-hmm. than you do with, like, fear and dishonesty and that kind of stuff. That burns up your,
1: exactly. your
0: energy reserve, you know. Mm-hmm. So having awareness today, and, and to me it helps to think that way And these analogies like that. I don't know why, it's just is one of these things. I don't know if it's, like, my engineering kind of background mindset and that kind of stuff is why it works for me. But it does work for me, and it helps me, you know, with my presence at any given moment of uh, asking myself, is this a place where I want to use some of my energy? You know, and uh, and and negative energy burns up my reserves,
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: can be exhausted, and the day ain't done yet, right? And I got something else I got to do tonight, mm-hmm. and I burned up sixty percent of my energy this morning on the news, yep. and uh, that awareness of being able to operate like that has helped me a whole bunch to uh, to think about it. Just like the gas needle in my car, I have to keep an eye on where that's at or else I'm on the side of the road, buying a gas can, (laughs) walking up the highway. Uh, I don't want to do that with my life energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flip side of that is, end of the day, I get no prizes for having a lot left over, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Uh, So like that balance thing of like, trying to make sure that that energy gets, I want to use up every bit of it every day Cause that's the most I'm making. That's making the most out of my life and my hours of the day. But I want to use it up in the most beneficial and helpful ways. Whatever well, it's helpful for me. Some days that means I got to take care of myself and not do much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Some days that means I need to pour a whole lot into some other people. Uh, some days that's more of a balance. You know, and and uh, the awareness of, of of those kind of things keeps me. Uh, I think that's ultimately the elusive word that we get pitched around a lot and I just used it balance mm-hmm. how do we find balance uh, in our in our lives and what everybody, not everybody but it's a it's tossed around a lot mm-hmm. I just gotta find some balance um,
2: fear is in my opinion 100% the mind you're talking about uh, when you're like standing on a building and you're like on the ledge of a building and you feel this you're gonna feel this twinge this pain in your stomach that's not fear that's your body telling you that you're in danger that's how your body communicates with you in the stomach um, if you're surrounded by a uh, bunch of little kids and they're laughing and they're playing with balloons and there's bunch of little puppies and you're just you're gonna feel this feeling in your stomach and they call it the warm fuzzies Mm -hmm. that's your body's way of saying this is good so you got good and bad or good and danger and that's how your body communicates with you Um, the Buddhists teach that you know if you're in the middle of a storm and that's, that's fear, fear's the storm, um, like a tornado. Where are you gonna go? You're gonna go to the top floor, which is your mind? No, because it's more dangerous up there. You're gonna go to the bottom floor, which is around your belly button. That's where your chi is. And, and that's where uh, your energy center is. And that's what gets zapped when the mind, uh, creates these fear-based scenarios. It's taking away your personal energy like you were talking about. Um, and there was something you said that I loved. Um, I like the fact that you said uh, you can't, uh, you get no uh, rewards or rewards for hanging on to it. Um, but I don't hang on to it. At the end of, end of the day, if I have anything left over, I will imagine myself sitting down with one of my friends, and surrounding them with my leftover energy Mm -hmm. and feeding their spirit with that. Um, And so I'm sending energy from my heart to their heart, and that's a better way to use that excess energy than to burn it up thinking about, you know, who's going to be president or what law they're going to pass or, you know, what's the price of gas. or um, how do I stop from getting COVID and s- shit like that? That's that's all mind. Uh, it takes us out of the present moment and takes mm-hmm. us into the future, which is always fear. It can only be fear because you have no power in in the in the future. And in the big book, it says lack of power. That was our dilemma. And and then it says that we trust that a power greater than ourselves to restore us to sanity so in my way of thinking it's saying it's insane for me to go off and in, in the future and give my power away uh, when the only place that I'm ever going to have any power or more importantly ever able to use that power and give it away is right now what we're doing right now um, and that's focused in the present moment.
0: Um, you, is, you, talk you know, I, I my mind balked at the thought that the only thing that's in the future is fear. Uh, you know, on like diagrams, sentences, and mm-hmm. verbs and nouns and stuff. Uh, so I don't know what what hit me like that. Uh, we well, were that talking was, before that was the wrong beginning. With me,
2: you're right. That. We can create fear in the future but through our imagination. We can create. We we can create good too. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for pointing that out because I was fear uh, is
0: only in the future, but the future is not only fear.
2: That's a good. You should write that down.
0: Oh shit! I just documented it on the podcast.
2: (laughs) We're gonna credit that to Dan from now on. Um, I was talking to a guy the other night about meditation, and he's very newly sober. Uh and I was asking about meditation and he said uh, man I can get I can get 10 breaths in before I start thinking and I remember saying to him well that fucking sounds hard <laughs> I don't think I'd start with that because uh, I tried that and, and I couldn't do any better until he got further than I did but what I said was why don't you It was a couple of days later and I'm like why don't you uh Sit down with your two kids, and get some pencils and some paper and some colored pencils, and both of you, all three of you, create this fantasy, and and tell this story, and develop it together. And um, not only are they creating a, hopefully, they're creating a future that's positive. But they're doing it together and they're able to connect through their love for one another and then their imagination. So you can do a lot of good in the future. Um, it's just when you're newly sober, that's someplace yeah, that you just you it's should, a should be going. Yep, you're right. It's like the enemy grounds.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, certainly, uh, some of those keystone fundamentals, you know, as you're coaching somebody or whatever, you know, mentoring them, sponsoring them, any of that. As that people call with these problems that are in the future it's in- undoubtable you know that they're they're projecting out there uh, we have this thing to go to worst case scenario we have this leaning to do that so we shoot out to the future and there we place the worst possible outcome <laughs> And then we actually take that on like that is where we're heading, you know, just like it's a it's a for certain course That is our course and, and there's no stopping it and and you know uh, Quickest way to get over that and I remember doing it And I would just ask myself Stop that crap and I'd say am I okay right now? I mean like right now look around my surroundings where am I at? I'm sitting at work Temperature's pretty good. Roof's not leaking. Uh, nobody's hurting me. Uh, not hungry. Uh, go stretching. Car's payment was made. Uh, yeah, everything around me is okay. And do a little inventory, like a, like some you know similar to where some people have people do a gratitude list on the spot. Do a little inventory of where I'm at right this minute. And every single time. Every single time, the answer to that is, am I okay right now, is yes, I'm okay right now. By that time of that little exercise, I can somehow or another detach from that outcome I was projecting and come back to where I'm at. And that uh, being in the moment, I mean, Eckhart Tolle had, he nailed that, right, the power of now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a fundamental life skill is really what it is, it's, not, it's certainly not a monopolized by alcoholics or anybody with a particular problem. It's uh, the solution to most of uh, life's problems is, uh, is it happening right now? Nope. Uh, There's a story Scott Lee talks about in one of his talks about a lady who was at a bank. and A robber come in and grabs her around the neck and puts a pistol to her head and uh, she somehow or another processed the fact because they said, Well, was you scared? And she said, I know I wasn't scared. And she said, well, how could you not be, you know, scared? And he said, Everything that I would be scared of would have been in the future. Hmm. He hadn't shot me yet. He hadn't hurt me yet. He hadn't robbed me yet. Mm-hmm. So right now, with the pistol to her head, things are okay because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Uh, Scott tells it real powerfully. He's one of my favorite dudes, man. I've had so much uh, Scott Lee inside of me. Uh, Toby, told, I'll tell Toby a story other day. It was, and so he come on this all by himself, too. Uh, because this is what recovery does, it gives you this awareness. If there's probably anything, you know... If you hear me talk a lot, I'll say the thing I like the most, the number one thing, but the, it's all up there in the number one pile yeah. of things I like. It's just right. what I'm talking about at the moment. Uh, is this a fact of that I get this opportunity to be aware of what I'm doing? Because uh, like thinking back, everything that was happening to me was so subconscious and I was just like a victim of the catalyst that I bumped into. You know, it was the peripheral pinball in the machine hitting off those bumpers that shot it off in another direction and you never are sure which direction it's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <clears throat> now I can actually be aware and have some like a uh, domain over my path. And Toby was talking about having all these using dreams and It's hitting him. He's coming up on his year. and Somebody mentioned the back that he's in his eleventh month and that's always a dangerous month. Uh, a couple other projections was there. And then a little bit later, Toby comes in and he says, you know what? For the past few weeks, I've been watching Intervention, the TV show, before I go to bed. And that shit just, it'll program you. You can't help but to digest and ingest the stimuli you're subjecting yourself to. Mm I think it's another thing about being around people like, you know, I just don't, I minimize my time around people that won't bring some level of light to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put that two and two together that uh, he'd been digesting that. Well, no shit. If you go to bed every night watching people shoot up, there's a likelihood <laughs> <laughs> that you're going to have those dreams. And that may seem, seem pretty simple maybe to some of the listeners or whatever, but it was just a really good example of watching this stuff work in the life of somebody, yeah. you know. Uh, I'm terminally unique enough that I think that this stuff is only happening to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was another awareness thing that when I got sober, I just thought, "What a miracle! Is this happening to me? Like I'm almost like the chosen one, you know." And then my self-centeredness evaporated a little bit and started paying attention to other people. And it's, "Well, it's happening to her too. (laughs) It's happening to him. Oh, it's not just a fluke. You do this stuff. You take this prescription." Or you use this recipe, those are two terms I was saying in the beginning that have been, I'm sure you do it too. You get these concepts that bounce around in your head and not really sure why they're there. Uh, you know I heard one of the big guys talk about the penicillin. and you've heard him too say that you know you don't have to know why penicillin works. you don't have to think it's going to work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and he goes through this whole thing. but if you take it as prescribed, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And that's what our program is, too. Uh, and I liken it to some, another thing is that, you know, you can't take two penicillin pills today. You know, it says take one for 10 days or whatever it says. You don't get like take two today and skip a couple of days. And then maybe take three on Friday and skip a couple of days. That's not the prescription. And some people will come in at 12 Steps and kind of try to take that prescription into their 12-step life, too. That we, you know, they'll do a little bit today, and then I'm really not going to fool with it for a week or two. Uh, <clears throat> Bill says this thing is a it's a daily it's a daily thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do on a daily basis until it until it sets in on how real this really is living on this with this. But the prescription and the recipe thing are two really good parallels, and I like the analogies similar to the analogy I used earlier um, of that if you follow this recipe and you put the ingredients in it. And you cook it for the right amount of time, uh, it's gonna come out like, you know, if it's, let's say it's Grandma's cake recipe, mm-hmm. it's gonna come out like Grandma's cake.
1: Mm-hmm. And you
0: start playing around with it, you may get something better, who knows, right? But when company's coming over, you wanna take that chance? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, when when company when the new girlfriend is showing up tonight for dinner, you'll be making sure everything on that recipe thing is to the die, man, because you need it to turn out right. Uh, And it really is about how simple this program is. You know, the the line in there is simple but not easy. Uh, Following this prescription, which includes a whole lot of hanging around with dudes who already follow it, Mm -hmm. uh, or gals, people, um, you'll end up having this thing that me and you got. It's not an if thing. It will happen. It's a beautiful uh, oh you couldn't have, you couldn't have ever I still remember the guy that on that first day meeting he looked at me with the biggest brownest, softest eyes and I'm not sure I'd ever looked into a man's eyes before and listened to him. and when he gave me that guarantee statement about I can guarantee you that if you work these 12 steps, if, he said, first, talk, he said, if you have this thing I have called alcoholism, if you work these steps and practice these principles in your daily life, your life is going to get a whole lot better. And then he said, I can also guarantee you another thing. If you have this thing called alcoholism, this thing I got, and you don't work these 12 steps and you don't practice these principles in your daily life, it's going to get a whole lot fucking worse, Dan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I wouldn't prepare for that last. <laughs> uh, I, I was all KK when he's throwing the f- blowing the fluff up my rear yeah. end, you know. <laughs> when he dropped that other half of the guillotine, uh, one of the other miracles of uh, recovery is you get to have this crystal ball, and that guy's got one. And, and, and I, little did I know how right he was going to be, because yeah. I didn't. I had it, and I didn't do it, and things got a lot worse. It's a funny thing how it tends to get worse for people when they are exposed to a recovery and decline it than if they're never exposed to it in the first place. I'm not sure if that's just because we get to see it.
2: It's
0: a belly full of beer and a head full of AA concept. Oh, yeah. You know, that...
2: Yeah, when they they start thinking that, you know, um, everything's good enough... um, Better, the hell of a lot better than it was, so I can, I uh, don't have to work so hard anymore. I can do, you know, I, I don't have to help that guy. There's other people that can sponsor, there's a hell of a lot of people that can sponsor better than me. And uh, I don't have to go to these AA meetings, I just have to, you know, spend just, more time with yeah. my family and
0: be a good dude.
2: Yeah, just be a good guy. and then
0: It's not enough.
2: You usually get bit every time I, I'm always you know I'm always open with my sponsees I'm like if you can figure out a way to smoke a little pie and not go back to your drug of choice let me know because if you can find it we'll write a book we'll make a bunch of money we can both get high together and still be happy Joey. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you can do it without going back uh, backsliding let me know, cause if there's an easier, softer way, I'm all for it. But I just ain't found it. Yep. I just just haven't found it. And talking about fear, you know that the whole world is against us. That all that, all the news and all that I mean that's that's nothing but fear-based scenarios. That's that's how they sell products. Yep. That's how they everything. It's all about money, it's all about fear, and they can use money. Um, they can use your fear to make money, and as long as church has been around, that's been going on, <laughs> and now the news media is caught up, you know, to what worked for them. Hey, we can make it work for us, and, and you know, we we buy shit that's um, not good for our bodies, and, and you know, we use it uh, to calm the fear down, or, or because they say this is the healthy thing, and then five years later, that healthy thing's causing cancer. And mm-hmm. it's all about. At the end of the day, it's money, and um, and the, the easiest way to control somebody is tell them that you know the world's going to be a whole lot worse if they don't do this. Yep. Or your world's mm-hmm. going to be a whole lot better if you do do this. If you Try this diet pill and you're gonna be more attractive to people or whatever Use the is. shampoo
0: and you'll have longer hair.
2: Put this cream on your face and you won't get wrinkles. Yep. Uh, the, the thing is, is uh, the, here's, the, here's the, to me, the original sin is that we do this to kids who are a perfect example of being in the present moment being happy joyous and free and we fuck them up by using our fears and imposing them on and teaching them to them um and over time they get you know corrupted and corroded and so you've taken this perfect precious diamond and turned it to a piece of coal in just a few years and it's and it's sad um, but the thing is, the thing about recovery that I love is that diamond's still there. It's just covered up, and if you dig through the mud and the shit and the crap and the gunk, and you might have to get a jackhammer from time to time, but you can pull that diamond out, polish it up, and share it with other people. Um, but if if you want to, if you want to find. Or see how it's done. All you got to do is sit in a chair, keep your mouth shut, and watch your kids. Let them play. So if if you just watch your kids play, and uh, quiet your mind, they'll show you how much joy you can have in the present moment. A Christmas Eve. After you and Christopher left, my uh, wife and my daughter in law brought my uh, three grandsons up and my dog. And um, I haven't got to hold my youngest grandson, who's 11 months old. Uh, I've only held him once at my son's wedding recently. And he was cranky and tired. And, you know, he didn't know me. And they just stuck him in my lap and kind of turned away from him. And he he started bawling. WTF? But, um,. The cool thing was, uh, you and I and Chris had built up this really cool energy going, and uh, they bring the baby in, and he had, had just had some uh, surgery um, on his private and um, they said he was grumpy, not in a good mood, and he was asleep. He
0: was asleep when they came in.
2: So, uh, after a few minutes, I'm like, oh, you know, "Let me see the baby," or what? that's what I'm thinking. So, I said, "Well, won't you uh, take that?" carrier up here and so just sitting in my lap and uh, let me see the baby as soon as she picked that carrier up that baby woke up and he just starts laughing I mean laughing out loud just giggling and smiling and happy and so she takes him and sets him up on my lap and he looks at me for a minute and he look. I said don't go nowhere don't run off and leave him. so he gets acclimated and then he just starts Pulling on my watch and pulling on my beads on my arm and and then the other two grandkids come over because they love their brother and And so we're just spending this all together just watching this baby and we're all connecting and And we're just seeing innocence and purity and uh, it's really hard for me to be like that But it's really easy for me to witness it Um, I haven't got to the stage where I can just be so present in the moment that a bracelet can interest me, but I can be so present in a moment that uh, a cute little spirit being so pure, and I can just be with that and and witness at it and absorb that, that's the key. Connect to that energy. You talk about charging your batteries, that's a full day charge if, if you can just witness these kids being happy, joyous, and free, and innocent and pure, especially if they're under seven or under, uh, conditioning really starts to take effect after that. But in those early years, if you just let them be kids, just leave them alone. Control is the worst thing that we've ever invented in this world. Uh, Try to make somebody be like me or make them do what I want to do. And and you're so uh, controlled all day long uh, at your work or wherever. You know, with our education your
0: system is doing that daily to kids, so it's probably another reason why until about seven they're okay. Yeah. And then they start having to go to school and get controlled and told, yep. and you know, seven-year-old boys are told home. they got to sit still for hours on end, and there's no sit still in a damn seven-year-old little boy, you know, yeah. not if he's got a spirit, you know, if he hasn't been stepped on yet.
2: And then dads at work all day and he's being controlled by the man and then he comes home and who's he get to control those kids yeah he gets to pass that on and we're just constantly fucking them up yeah. and all we have to do is just take take a step back and realize that we're not the teachers in a spiritual world we are the students we we are the ones that are disconnected and broken they're the ones that are whole so we need to flip the script and and start learning from them and it's just by watching watching what they do watching how simple it is to to be free it's it's really simple but we we have been controlled yeah. so long that we make it so hard even I do
1: mhm
0: me too. I catch myself. One of them awareness things of catching myself. Uh, Bill says it make a rough, make a tough going at life, or make a hard going at life. Or I can't remember exactly how he puts it, but uh, look it up. Uh, and I catch myself doing that. You know, you said something there when the kids come in here. You know, uh, you know I don't know why I'm processing this, but I'm gonna talk about it. So like the baby gets sit here, and he looks at you. He don't really know you, man. He might remember you from that one time, maybe. Uh, that's hard to say. But mom's standing here, right? And you said, don't walk off. You know, so baby gets a minute to go. And he can say, you know, that signals are being sent that he's okay, right? Yeah. That everything's okay. And then the little boys bring their energy over here and say look everything's okay right they play with you they monkey with you whatever you know and show you and little baby picks up on that energy and you know he's saying okay my antennas are saying mom's okay these two brothers, they're okay here. Then I can be okay here, yeah. you know. And and you know, I know you said he was laughing as soon as he come up out of the thing. I kind of thought about that. Maybe he realized his privates weren't hurting for the first time in a few years. And right. Made him really right. happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that uh, that cycle you're talking about is to be similar to finding that secret where you can uh, smoke pot and be happy, joyous, and free. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's no answer for this. This is hypothetical questioning, whatever. But how do we like, because that is, it seems to me, is that broken cycle that we have done. And I see elements in our society where we ask, like I said, education. I'm, I'm, I know that we got to do learning. There needs to be education, right? I'm not saying there doesn't need to be education. But the way we're doing it appears to me to be doing it in a way that fits some lifestyle 50, 60, 70 years ago. When we were trying to fill factories with workers, and teach people to come out of school and then go sit over here and run this sewing machine all day, or run this hubcap maker all day, or you know, we were training people to do that, and I think it's finally kind of paid—you know—paid. It's uh, we're paying the toll for that uh, now after a while, because Dad's burning up his entire gigabyte of energy doing that crappy ass job all day long Mm. so when he gets home uh besides the fact now he's bringing this control monkey on his back that he's had on him all day long he's also out of juice Mm. you know and he comes home and he's he's got no he's got nothing to pour you know it's pouring from an empty cup by the time he gets off of work Uh, mom's been home all day let's just say because that don't happen real often anymore usually they're both gone off to work and the kids are in some kennel (laughs) Someplace mm-hmm. being kept for the day, which is also not pouring love in them kids, or, or I shouldn't say that. I'm sure some of them are, but you can't possibly, uh, God would have us pop out eight, ten babies at a time if He thought we could handle it. You mm-hmm. know, puppies do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we only get them one at a time because that's all we can freaking handle at a time, mm-hmm. man. Maybe two in the occasional, and the only time they get to be more than that is when it's artificial. When we've gone in there, monkey with something like mm-hmm. yeah, in vitro and stuff like that. Uh, my mom's home with a few kids all day, and she's also worn out because she's been conditioned. Uh, even if she's able to let the kids play, she can't really do They Human beings can't seem to do that anymore. They, so, she, so then dad comes home, and mom's out of gigabytes, mom's out of gigabytes. And now we got the rest of the evening, and we're supposed to make something productive out of that family unit. And I don't know how I like to make that stuff, and not that it's up to me to come up with a solution, but I continually get this message about how we, I've always said it in a way, is that as kids grow, we step on their spirits. Uh, I told a guy the other day, I said, you know, trying to get him to understand this concepts we're talking about, that, you know, if I could get your spirit out of you, if I could get it out of you, and lay it down here on the ground, and we could look at it. You'd see all these big boot stomps in it.
1: Mm.
0: It's been stepped on by this, and stepped in, and and that stuff don't. It's like that memory foam stuff or whatever. You mm. know, you put a boot print in it. And it stays in there for a long time. Yeah. And uh, and and it is repairable. But that's exactly what this program is in, in built to do: is to repair this stepped on spirit that we get. So we we get these little kids. And then we start stepping on their spirit, and you know, buy more than likely already damaged parents, right? The parents are already, because I didn't get this until I was 45. And most of the people I watch, like coming in and getting 12 step help, are 35, 40 years old. Rarely is, you know, you do have some come in a little early. And most of them are already raising families and stuff. Uh, so they're stepped on their kids. I stepped on my kids' spirits before I ever came to recovery, you know. And that memory phone still trying to uh, help, do what I can. You know, my healing helps them heal, and I have no doubt about that. Um, but how to stop that cycle of us stepping on little kids' spirits? They grow up with stepped up stepped on spirits. They go to unhealthy stuff, whether it's using substances or behaviors or. Or drive for success or, you know, they wind themselves into the, the world. They get the world pulled down over their eyes. Is that what you said?
1: Uh-huh. The,
0: from the Matrix movie? Yeah. Uh, they get the world pulled down over their eyes. And then they finally, if they're lucky, like me or you, some life event happens that causes us to wake up and decide something's gotta be different. But like by the time I hit the wall and had that, I'd already done that damage on those kids. You know, we've got to like have a generation of them come up without the damage, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and maybe that will happen. Maybe that's a natural turn of events. It's, you know, everything in the world has these cycles, and these, like I said a minute ago, about the the education system that was set up to do what it does today. Uh, I think it's playing out now. I think that's beginning to play out to the end because. To, some, well, to a big extent the upstream cycles are not looking for those kind of individuals anymore uh, there's not that much manufacturing and that kind of stuff going on in this country anymore it's all moved offshore um, I don't know where I'm going with all that other than I like to think about it and I like to process it and over and over again I hear this same thing about this stepping on these child spirits but and maybe somebody listening to you that's like just had a kid and they heard that and there'll be one of that generation that's Mm -hmm. not getting stepped on you know and when we go around talking and carrying our message like this because we really don't this is not 12-step talk you don't hear this (laughs) Mm -hmm. you don't hear this in a meeting you hear this when you and i get together or when me and chris get together or when our people you know i would like to hope that other 12-step you know other people who have had this spiritual development that we've been blessed to receive uh, I would like to think that's everywhere. I'm not so sure because I do know what, and this AA saved my life. But AA ain't the most healthy grounds I ever stepped foot on. <laughs> Either we somehow or another, I feel, and this is this is where we get where I get my get in trouble a little bit. Somehow or another, have been fortunate enough to receive like this extra dose of this. Yeah, there's something going on that when I travel around recovery communities, I don't find this anywhere else really. You might find a dude here and there, but you don't find a pod of it like what
2: we have. Well it's, um, what we're talking about is 100% out of the big book. There is a part in there where it says, um, talking about the tools that we use. and, and give him back but he says a much more important demonstration of these principles are in our respective homes and businesses
0: Occupations and family owners. yeah
2: so um, it's right there in the big book it's more important to demonstrate this to your kids and and be loving patient and tolerant with your kids um, and and your family it's and a really your business, good point really good point it's so that's true recovery is it's not i heard i remember this guy uh, told me one time and i'll never forget he said anybody can be spiritual in an aa meeting yeah if you can't be spiritual in an aa meeting something's wrong with yeah. you but can you take these tools out there to people who you have abused to people you have neglected and and beat down with your words, can you repair that and then continually lift that up and continually repair it? Because you know, uh, like the lady we were talking tonight to tonight, she said she you know. Has been going through through this for twenty years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not healed overnight. We have to continually. uh, We talk about living amends. We have to continually make amends to these people, but not being the asshole that we used to be, and um, we have to continually be a good example for our kids. You know, I wasn't a good father, but uh, I'm the best grandfather I can be, and my son appreciates that. Yeah, just as much as. you know me making amends it's me continually to be there for his kids
0: yeah, i wish i could find out exact wording i know what it is approximately and i can't uh, a lot of times i can find something really quick in here and nowadays i lean on my phone too much because i can search for a word well, you were talking about it.
2: aa uh, there's different you know i think you were talking about the aa fellowship But AA is the name of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. That is AA. The book is AA. The fellowship, that's flawed because that's human. But that book was, in my opinion, divinely written or written from a person who was able to connect uh, and get those words from somewhere else. But that's, that's recovery. The big book and and this pod you're talking about we have been taught to practice all of it you don't just practice some of it uh you don't I'm do sorry. you know it's
0: taught it's not all a cart yeah don't get right. to pick which yeah. ones i'm gonna do
2: you don't get to add steps to it like you said <laughs> you don't get a 13th step or a 14th step because uh, you're gonna screw up the cake recipe like you're talking about
0: yeah yeah uh, and i still like to whenever i hear the 13th step somebody Again, it's a reprogramming. To some extent, that's what's happened to me. I've been reprogrammed. My old program has been slowly dissolved and a new program put in its place. And I have a little personal mission to do that same thing with the 13th step because it's got that, most people know it as the, the uh, what I would say is a negative connotation. Right. Uh, but I heard a speaker once say, "No, the thirteenth step is dying sober." Ah, cool. And I like that a lot better. And again, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like this thing about looking into the future and what I put out. You know, the energy you put, the energy you put out into the world is the energy that comes back to you.
1: Yeah.
0: There's absolutely no doubt in that. And so I try to I try to practice that principle in my own world too. So when I hear, when anytime I hear, it's kind of like when somebody says, "I have to do something." I have to go pick up my kids in a little bit. It's automatic, in me, man. I go get to. Yeah. You get to. Yeah. <laughs> and the same thing when I hear somebody say something about the 13th step, I like to interject that uh that new definition.
2: Yeah, that's pretty
1: cool. Uh
0: rather than rather than uh uh propagate the old one.
2: You can add to um the steps all yep. you want. That's step 11 is your add to. That is That is the add meditation. to step. You add to as much as you want, and and you know my recovery would be very stale if I didn't add to it Absolutely. all the time. Yeah, me too. Because
0: um, what you're through with the work, what do you do now? Yeah, you had to you had to do something. Um, add to was something one of my early teachers hit me with, and it ended up that word. I ended up getting quoted in the eleventh step. I got a paragraph in the PSSR oh, cool. book. You? about a certain beloved's fancy? Uh, and my, my, my thirst for adding things to my recovery, you know, like Mankind Project and the yoga teacher training and need to do things like that, which I believe is exactly what Bill was talking about when he says, uh, um, continue to
2: improve, our conscious improve
0: my conscious contact, uh, I believe all those things fit in that category. I think my woodworking fits in that category. Absolutely. And I found a new thing here lately of hand cutting dovetails. Yeah. You know, there's a little dovetail shape and then you make a notch that fits that. Yeah. And you make these corners come together with no need for glue or anything and they're stronger, stronger than glue.
1: Hmm. They're
0: mechanically intact and interlocked uh, and hand cutting dovetails. Uh, will improve your conscious contact <laughs> with, <Exactly>. your, yeah. <laughs> with right. your higher power, with the God of right. your understanding. Doing that,
2: yeah. Con—I uh, mean, that those two words, conscious contact—you um, can't do that in the future. You can't do that if no. you're afraid. You can't connect, um, and uh,
0: yeah, you can't going to do that. Right. You got to do it.
2: Yeah. So uh, I like consciously connecting to people. So. Uh, and I do that through listening. I, mm-hmm. I, if I listen to the person, even even if they're talking about stuff, I could care less about it. They care about it. They want to be heard. Here's the thing. You've always heard. I've been wanting to say this for a long time, and I'm glad that All I right. get to say it on a podcast. You've always heard uh, the phrase. Everybody's heard the phrase, the way to a man's heart through his stomach. That's not technically true. Um, it's a few uh, about six or seven inches lower than the stomach that's the way through a man's heart but uh, the way to a woman's heart, to a woman's heart is through your heart and you do that through your ears connect, listen they want to be heard they're home all day with the kids and they want to be heard, And not just women everybody wants to be heard So if you can be a listener, uh, and that's what I am, and I can't tell you the amount of love that pours back to me just because I listen, even if I'm in a meeting, I'm listening to these people, and they're pouring love to me. They don't even know it, but people, when they get that relief of getting something off their chest, the gratitude pours out and it pours out to you if you're the listener Um, and that's what just makes a meeting um, drive Um, and it also levels it up to they talk about the group consciousness where there is one ultimate authority and that's a loving God well if you have a bunch of loving people you're going to create a loving God and it's gonna have a voice all of its own, and it's gonna raise that meaning up to the level that we've we've been able to achieve in our little pod. So, uh, and it all it all starts with listening. Uh, I can't stress that enough. You know that, uh, and I'll tell this story how I learned that was. Um, I uh, I was having a early sobriety I was having a. Uh, a little tiff with my fiance who's now my wife and um I called my sponsor who at the time my sponsor was my nephew and he had several years sober and um he was able to separate being a sponsor and being my family. So he was really good. It was actually harder on me because he was more strict than a regular sponsor would be. Um but I called him and I didn't get him. I got his wife, and so I, I, she said, he's busy, so she said, can I help you? So I just told her the story, and um, and it was about listening. And she said, uh, or I told her the story, you know. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was about, but she said, well, what if your sponsees called you with the same thing? I said, well, I'd listen to them, and She said, well, what makes you think that won't work with her? So uh, I had to try. There was a lot of guilt involved in this, you know, because I didn't, I had harmed her so much, I just wanted her to be better, like I was getting better. So I would start to listen, and within a couple of minutes, that fix-it mode would kick in, and I'd be telling her, you need to do this, this, and this, and this. Uh, I even went so far as you need to stop Catholicism and start practicing yoga and mindfulness and stuff like that and that didn't go over too well so one day she calls me she's having a really bad day at work and she said I'm having a bad day I just need you to listen so I'm like all right god here's my chance keep my mouth shut and uh so I did it and it felt like she talked for like an hour but it was more like five minutes and uh at the end of it, she said, this is the best conversation we've <laughs> ever had. And I didn't say a fucking word. And that's when I realized that people just need to get it out. The answers are inside. I was taught this early on. Um, emotions, you think of it as energy and motion. So the, uh, the an emotion is information behind energy. So there's energy that comes through the body and it needs to flow through your body. And if you can let it flow through your body then you can pick up the information. What happens is uh, we don't like uncomfortable emotions and uncomfortable feelings so we stuff them. So we don't feel the energy so we never get the information. So when, when someone is allowed to speak out the problem they are able to access the information so they've already got the solution they just have to get the energy out in order to find the solution so that's number one thing when people say uh, how do you pick a sponsor get somebody that'll listen get somebody that's not like your parents if your parents didn't listen then don't get them if they did listen that's fine i don't care if it's a man woman child baby dog anything a dog's probably the best sponsor in the world because a dog will listen won't say a fucking thing but uh, if you need a human absolutely need a human pick somebody that'll listen to you and let you get it out and then when they speak you want somebody that's going to speak from their heart and um you'll learn to trust them Uh and I'm running out of shit and, uh, to say. Yeah. So you, I know. I, you I can, get on a roll and then I
0: feel like I just hit a roll bump and I just yeah. lose my train of thought after a minute. Uh, I know it ain't exactly parallel because you interjected the word heart and I believe that and I heard what you said, but you know, like the way to a person's heart is through your own
2: ears. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you know, I. I you know, as we talked about the gal over and over again, who's been here today, that fix it switch still gets flipped at me, and I don't know. You know, there's some things that I wonder that will never get turned off, and I, and I think that's the case. You know, but well, what I got to do is override that. Uh-huh. You know, because one thing happens when I'm my when my fix it switch gets thrown in my head, and then I'm starting to think instead of listen. Yeah, and that's felt. Yes. You know, and I know it when I'm talking to somebody too. I um, had a recent sponsee who I could tell when I'm trying to transmit this stuff to him and get him to understand some of these concepts and that when I'm talking to him, he's completely not there. He's completely thinking about what the next thing he's going to say is. And he would prove it out sometimes because he would completely say something like not even in context with what we're talking about, you right. know, and he's been up in his head the whole time. And I'm thinking, I just poured out all this good shit <laughs> to this right. dude and he didn't hear a word of it. And I called him out on it too. and said, "Look, man." trying to help you, but you got to somehow or another override that thing that's making you think about what you're going to say next. Right. and That is one of our big problems. We do that. We, 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 we're, we instead of listening, we're formulating what we're going to say, and that's yeah. that self-centeredness. Yep. That me, exactly. me, 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 mm-hmm. me, 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 People singing that song. It's been sung. I've heard it on Looney Tunes, I think, the first time me, 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 me. Remember when Bugs did that, with did the hopper stuff. Um, But like with the lady that was here, my fix it switch is getting thrown and I gotta like consciously override it in the same way. And you know, maybe it will go away. I know it's getting better. It's getting better.
1: Um,
0: It's not as hard to override. It's easier to see that I'm doing that. And it's also easier to comprehend, you know, I'm less self-centered and/or selfish and self-centered in the way that today I know I can't fix her problem, and there's really not much I can give her to do that. You know, no, many, no many known words are going to come out of Dan's mouth right. that's going to solve that guy/girl's problem. So just yes. s the f yeah. up. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, it's so. all about it's. You can't fix them because they're not broken; they're suffering, yeah. and well,
0: I can't resolve their issue.
2: Yeah, because I had the same thing. uh I was wanting to say some things. I even said a few things and she immediately talked over me, which is her that's way of saying sign. just listen to me. You're doing you. a good job. Yeah. Here's your pat on the back. Now just listen to me and uh, that's what I have to constantly remind myself is my job here is for them to suffer less and the more that they can get out, the more uh, the better they're going to feel. She so, probably
0: skipped down the hallway. Yes. Oh, I could see the change. <laughs> I
2: could feel the change. In her. Um, and that's the thing. The thing with the sponsees that that won't that want to respond is they got so much they want to say, they've never been able to say it, and and uh,
0: they've never been heard.
2: Yeah. So that's why I, I like to uh, always before I start anything because I don't like to waste my breath. Is I'll listen. What do you got? You got anything else? Yeah,
0: I do that too. And
2: I can feel. I can feel it. They'll say, yeah. "No, I'm good." And I'm like, "No, you're not. Keep talking. There's mm-hmm. something in there," and and so I'll go to start talking, and boom, they'll start talking again. And uh, but I let them talk themselves out, and then I'm able to teach. Yeah, um,
0: I learned that. You know, I mean, when I start a session, when we sit down, I'll. Well, what do you got you want to talk about? Because yeah. Yeah. there's no sense in getting into this shit until uh, we've heard you a little bit anyway because something is going on. you know. There's always something going on.
1: Yeah. I learned
0: to listen from you. right? I Thank did. You. I mean, early on talking, I remember one of my very first lessons was is that I was really having trouble with people's shares. You know, I couldn't, have, it's just like drive me nuts, you know. I wanted to throw tomatoes at him and shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't everybody, it was just certain people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you talked to me about looking at them, said something to me about that, and I remembered about making eye contact with him, focus on them. And listen for what they got because maybe there's 90% of bullshit coming out but there might be a 10% little chunk that they say is good shit that you need to hear yeah. so listen for that you know right. and I actually I started adjusting my posture and meetings and stuff and if somebody behind me was talking I would shift my body around yeah. and I'd still like to do that zoom kind of fucked that up a little bit um, face-to-face it's a lot easier yeah. that whoever is sharing I can focus my attention on that person. Yeah. It, it resolves a whole bunch of stuff. It keeps me from getting fucked with by the guy next to me that wants to jack around in a meeting, you know, and mm-hmm. tap Paying on your leg and, yeah. and, and you know, yap, crack, yeah. with the peanut gallery behind yeah, that. Right. Because uh, if you don't pay them enough attention, they won't, <laughs> right. they won't bug you usually. Yeah. And I'm also not seeing these other peripheral reactions. That's another thing I could tend to do was walk, look around the room, and see what that guy think. You know, look in his face and see what he's thinking about what that dude is sharing. And you know, I found these that I was doing that, so that, that keeping my attention on the speaker was resolving uh, most of my inattention, and and I could focus on that and listen for that little bit. You know, and I wasn't real sure at times. I go. I don't know, like 10% was supposed to be good in that, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> but it didn't matter. It was the practice of it and right. learning, learning to begin to listen. And, and and it was the catalyst that taught. You know, and I hear you speak about listening. So I would constantly get doses of of how to do that effectively. Got kind of a door knocker.
2: You know, uh, the, the one thing um. I found about listening is... Y- I really don't need to respond think of, think of what I'm going to say um because almost um uh, almost 100% of the time there might be a few times that I don't have the answer that it doesn't come to me and those are the times I'm not listening very well but almost every time there's something that happens between connecting to the person that you're listening to that i don't know if i if i'm reading their i don't think i'm reading their mind but um, i'm picking up on something and something comes into my mind and you should say this and i can take that and push it to the side and put a little bullet point by it and just have that there and then go back to listening and they say something else uh, I'll put that up to the side, and then when they're done talking, and, and I'll feel it, and, and they'll usually say, "I'm okay, I'm done," um, and that's when I go back to my bullet appointment list. And if I can't remember it, it probably wasn't important anyway. But there's usually something that that comes, some kind of magic that gives me an answer, and and it's usually something off the wall that I normally wouldn't say, and I'll say it and. And it it will trigger something in them, and they'll even share more. Or it'll be the answer they I never thought about that. You know, so we don't have to have the answers. We just have to listen and let the universe work through us.
1: Yep,
0: that's a, a similar thing. What we're doing here in this conversation. You'll yeah. say something, and I put it up here. And exactly. if I don't remember to come back to it, then it wasn't any wasn't that important anyway. And the important ones I remember to talk about, just yeah. like that one. Um, it is. It's another one of these, like you know. I don't. I goof around because Christopher writes books, and I joke around about writing books. And like one of them, what I keeps on hitting me is these twelve. And I don't know why twelve. I just doing twelve because we got twelve of these and twelve of those and twelve yeah. of these. Uh, twelve myths of recovery. Oh. Uh, stuff about like the. You know, I'm not hurting anybody about myself. Uh, AA won't work for me. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, I will never have any more fun. Yeah. Um, but there's also other things. and, and But people, the, the these teachings are, none of this is new. You know, I like to get in my head once in a while and think I'm hit on some key that I need to be, like, out teaching or something, you know. And some of that's the truth, but the fact is, is that there's a thousand teachers out there teaching this stuff right now in different languages and different dialects, not like, like French and Spanish. I'm just talking about, like, the difference between... Hell, probably there's a difference. You know, there's a difference between the way twelve-step speak is spoken here, and if you go to an out-of-town meeting, it's a little different. Right. Same message, but it's spoken a little different. But definitely uh, up in the top of that list, some places learn how to listen, because I can't tell you how many. You know, I don't know. I keep on running into places where. Uh, Trying to dance around that a little bit, where. That's the downfall in between two human beings trying to interact successfully with one another is the fact that nobody's listening. Neither party's listening to the other one. Uh, There's a thing about not feeling heard. That's like a core thing in in us, right? Uh, I think, you know, I'm putting this out here in a way that I don't know, but I believe that females have that in a deeper regard than men do about needing to be heard. There's a thing in there where they need to be feel like they're being heard and uh and dudes seem to have a real problem listening <laughs> and it, and it and it can end up being like you know major league where you think it's kind of like uh I giggle today about people having trouble meditating so what you're telling me is you have problem just sitting there doing nothing huh that ought to be the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> it really ought to be, right? Right. You know, if I ask you to go over and do fifty push-ups, you might say, "Damn, that's hard." But if I'm just asking you to sit there for fifteen minutes and do nothing, then uh, you say, "That no, I can't do that. It's hard." It's a simple thing, and listening is a similar kind of thing. Listening's way more effective if I actually use it in the way that you're talking about, where I'm actually taking in the energy mm-hmm. and. uh You know, there's times when I'm thinking to say something to this person, like hand them this piece of knowledge, and they circle around to it, you know, and they get it themselves. You always wonder if you like there was some transmitting going on or no, uh, but that they'll come around to that stuff, like you said, that people find their answers. But, you know, you can listen effectively and not hear anything either. Yeah. I mean, just for practicing, just sit and listen.
2: Yeah.
0: And they don't know that you weren't listening. Right. Pretend like you're listening. Right. And it'll come to you. You'll get better at it. But at the beginning, just like meditating, just sit there and do nothing for a little while. If you practice that, you'll get better at it. And if you sit there and you try to listen to people, yeah, uh, you'll get better at it.
2: Don't do that with your wife though, because then they're going to ask you, "What did I just say?"
0: Yeah, but you got to practice and you got to yeah.
2: start somewhere, right? Well, that's why I say the AA. Uh, Fellowship is your proving ground. that's
0: give you a place to practice. Yeah,
2: because you a You're not feeling guilty because you haven't done anything to them And b, you're talking about something that you have in common. You're not talking about um, Soap operas, you know, what soap opera your wife watched that day. You don't care about that, but you do care about um, What this person yeah, doesn't get sober or how they're struggling and oh I struggle with that too yep. so you have that calming ground where you can learn how to use the tools i did want to talk about this concept of god um go to a your your nearest three-year-old that can talk a little bit maybe four years old and and ask them what's god and I, i did this with my grandson he was like four three or four um must have been four, cause I don't think he talked so well at three. I said, "Do you know what God is?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "What is it?" He's like, "Tell me." It's a word. What they know as God, that we would call God, is a feeling. It's not a word. If that's that's what we use to tell each other, "Hey, this is what I'm feeling," and it's, it's nothing to do with Uh, knowledge at all. It's a feeling. And these kids are showing us every single day that this is how you're supposed to feel. You're supposed to be free. You're supposed to uh, be comfortable in your own skin. Um, And, you know, that's what Jesus taught. Um, That's what Buddha taught. That's what Out, zoo, talk and yeah, all of them. Um, it's about being compassionate. The Dalai Lama they asked him, uh, what's the word that you use for God? And he said, thought for a second, and then he said, Compassion, that's God. And compassion to me, that is my heart going out to you, that's compassion, and so that's also connecting, you know, the two hearts connecting forms God and that's exactly what we're doing right now and then we're forming a bigger God because every person that listens to this podcast from here to infinity is going to add to that and we're going to multiply and multiply and multiply so that's why by the time this gets six or eight ten months down the road it's going to be more powerful than when we started because people are going to pour their energy into it and that's that's what is that's what a-, a has made AA as powerful as it is. Um, but this little thing that we're doing—I don't think it's been six years, maybe seven. I don't know how long we've did Spiritual Underground. To be honest, I will. I think it's Saturday seven.
0: morning. I will be seven years sober. Okay. It's a little older than me.
2: Well, happy, happy seven <laughs> years, man. It's awesome.
0: So I know it was it was cooking when I got there.
2: Yeah. So it it started uh, around.
0: I think it's a year or so before. Yeah, we, I think if I remember. Uh,
2: right. So we should have about seven years. Uh, I don't think it was a year before you know.
0: Oh yeah, uh, I,
2: you came at the ground level.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, you know there was this cohort thing of, of you, individuals you, going. You were when, in the basement meeting. Though. No, once, and it was once. only because the church was closed. My first spiritual underground oh, meeting
2: okay. so maybe was at
0: Brian's basement because, you know, like I said, then you remember maybe George, we're at eight. right?
2: I know it started. Oh yeah,
0: you remember mean? George?
2: Yeah, I remember George. Yeah, I miss George. Me too. Um, maybe we're going on eight, then. I or think you were, are. we just hit eight
0: because it was about this. It was sometime it was yes, December. I really don't know because was all December. I know is that Brian's house was decorated in Christmas. Yep, you know, and I was too followed up to you know memorize stuff huh? uh, exactly, but I do remember it was. It was it was before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, the house was decked out. The yard was decked out. And
2: I think we started in a church in December.
0: And I was pretending to be sober, because I wasn't sober yet, man. Yeah. I, was, I come to Spiritual Underground for a couple months. Oh really? Not sober. Doing that dance where I was telling everybody I'm fine, cool, yeah. and didn't tell anybody about the trouble I was in. I didn't. I just kind of come in and took the back row of sobriety and soaked it in and chatted a little bit and boogied. Yeah then I had the night of the burning desire, where I finally ended up puking up my truth. And that was the night Christopher came up and said he wanted to sponsor me, and my life changed.
2: You know how rare that is for him to offer to yeah. sponsor somebody else? I like, didn't know it at the time. That's like hitting the lottery almost.
0: Well, I heard you. I can still remember where y'all were sitting in Brian's basement. I can almost tell you where a bunch of people were sitting. I know Fred was next to me, Eddie was next to Fred, across from me was a guy named Tim. Uh, you and Brian, you, you and Christopher and Brian were sitting at a table against the wall, over kind of about where the steps come down. And and I remember hearing you share, and I remember hearing Christopher share. You know, and I started hearing like this sharing on a level that I had not heard before, or whatever. It was getting in a different crack or something. And it definitely was like, this is different, you know. Yeah. And it made me want to come back, you know. Uh, because it took forever for George to talk me into coming. He'd been telling me for six months I should come to this meeting. And then I had a revelation. You know what a revelation is, right? Yeah. It's when you've been telling me something for six months and all of a sudden I have the idea I should do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a Scott Lee joke, too. Uh, and then I had the idea that I should go. And just that's this soul cliche surround us, right? It, it's only a good idea until it's my idea, Right. Right. We tell you to work these steps, work these steps, work these steps, and they don't do it. And then someday they have this great idea that, you know what I think I'm going to do, man? I'm going to work these steps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I was hurting. And the thing I was doing on Tuesday nights had dissolved. And I went to George. And I remember, I mean, I didn't want to do it, but for whatever reason I did. And I walked up to him at work, and I said, hey, man, is that Tuesday meeting still going on? You going to, I said. Are you still going? You going to that Tuesday meeting? Is it tonight? And he looked at me and he said, "Yeah, man." He, you can see, he was excited that I was interested. Yeah. And I just saw him fold up, like, you know, like I thought maybe he wasn't going or it wasn't happening tonight. And he goes, "Yeah, man, but it's not at the church. It's in some dude's basement." And I remember feeling it flush down off of me, like, "Oh, man." And uh, but I didn't act that way, but I can remember my continents collapsing, and he and I was like, "Well, can I still go?" And he said, "Yeah, man." And I don't know why that's in my memory so bad. It's because it was. I know why it is. It's because after a fact, I remember what the importance of that question, right? And where it ended up leading me. And then I come around for a while, and I could keep on hearing you and Christopher. And I, I tell when I tell my story that I'd already picked out Christopher for my sponsor. And I watch every week, and it says anybody, everybody can willing able to sponsor a guy through the twelve steps. Raise your hand. He would just sit there. My like, God, dang, this dude don't ever sponsor anybody. <laughs> uh, and and I started looking around for who else. And uh, to be honest, the two people that was on the top was you and Mike Jones. For whatever reason, those were two names Those were two of the people who I was thinking about as going to sponsor me because I. I had the idea that I should get a sponsor. Of Marquee steps, you know. Yeah. I've been around AA for five years, yeah. um, and then that happened. And Christopher walked up to me and told me, or told me that he would like to sponsor me. But he knows he saw that level of pain, where that he saw that readiness.
1: Uh huh.
0: And knew that that dude over there was ready. Yeah.
2: Oh, a lot of it's times, miracle. you know, um, I think it's more important to ask so that I'm, I'm not a big fan of the raising hands unless I need it, you know, but there's me being selfish though. I need you for me, and that's not it. That's not what sponsorship's about, and I talk to this all the time, to guys who are scared. Uh, I recently talked about uh, uh, to, to one of my guys about switching to somebody else, and uh, <clears throat> he was, you know, he was all in his head about it and I'm like look man sponsorship is about you it's all about you it has nothing to do with the other guy if he has a problem with you leaving I've talked to a couple of guys recently about you know and a woman recently about switching and I'm like it's not about them do they have a sponsor yes well if they have a problem and they get their feelings hurt then They're being selfish and self-centered and they need to talk to their own sponsor about that's their shit Your life is in your hands and you need to think about you when it comes to picking a sponsor Not not somebody that you you're going to be a servant to and all this other bullshit It's it's about the it's about the sponsee whatever I can do to help them stay sober and if that's letting them go to somebody else uh, that they need to work with or that um, they're not using me well, that's dangerous I mean I can't help you if you're not going to use me so yeah. I'm happy to see them uh, go to somebody else
0: Yeah, the one of Scott Lee lines man And I've tried to adopt it I pray and it sounds funny when you first say it but he said I pray that my sponsees outgrow me and that doesn't mean surpass me, right. although they can, and I hope yeah. they do. Right. It's nothing to do with the level thing. I hope that I empty out enough yeah. that they need to go someplace else and grow. Because right. they're only going to get so much from me. right? You know, There's a limit to me. And I hope that they decide that they want to keep going and pick somebody else. Doesn't mean that when the dude you've been sponsoring for four years calls you up and tells you, hey, man, I want to change sponsors, that you don't take that little emotional hit, I'm still human. Right. Uh, and what do I do? Cheer him on, just like I told him. Good, great, glad you are. Think you should. Then I call my sponsor.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I've got I've got no plans on changing sponsors, but uh, me neither. I can't. I, I, do, I really can't imagine doing it. I do have uh, this core value of always being a teacher and always being teachable, mm-hmm. so I can find teachers. All over the place, and not just in AA right. most of my teachers are spiritual based teachers yep. um, but you know who says they have that you have to physically talk to them you can watch read books, watch videos and and learn new techniques in step 11 and and continue to grow and, and be taught.
0: Yeah with well, what we have available to us today there's never there's never been a better time to learn than there is today it's everywhere and a million teachers out there that are that got good stuff to teach
2: well if you like me and you like what you're hearing the um, I'll tell you the resources is uh, the main book that I used was the Tao Te Ching and there's a copy by Wayne Dyer called change your thoughts change your life living the wisdom of the Tao he breaks it down their verses almost like biblical verses their verses and uh, Eastern philosophy and he uh, wrote this book and he breaks it down and shows you how to practice it so that's that's one book Um, that's the main book that I use the other guy I'm not a Buddhist there's too much to learn about Buddhism and I'm not interested in that but there's a Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh and that's T-H-I-C-H N-A-H-T-H-A-N YouTube this guy. He's got tons of videos. And, Books. Uh, that's pretty much the compassionate, listening, and gentle speech. That's a Buddhist practice. And that's what I've been talking about all night is mm. compassionate, listening, and gentle speech. And you'll be a better friend. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better father. You'll be a better family member if you practice compassionate, listening, and gentle speech. All right, there's my plug for the yeah, And Christopher's book, 12 oh, yeah. Steps Spiritual yeah. Recovery.
0: You say that, I don't know why, but I got struck like I feel like I'm a pretty good listener, but I know, like I said, times my speech comes out harsher than I intend it for with the passion that I have behind it. Uh, that's interesting. Did you say what kind of speech? Gentle. Gentle. I don't think I speak gently. Yeah. Uh, no big deal. It Just uh, as you when you say things, I flip some switches and it makes me think. Well, those are two really good teachers, no doubt, man. I've uh, I've got I had for a while Wayne Dyer's doubted Ching and he just repeated them, you know, because they're just little one-liners. You got to get the underneath, his commentary underneath of them yeah. is where the value is. I mean, right. the Tao the, the Dao is cool, but it's kind of like saying, uh, "Turn your will, your life over to God as you understand Him." Well, that all sounds good, but there's a whole lot underneath of that. Right. Right. <laughs> and the same thing with every uh, what, what is one of them? It says uh, that which has a name, or that which can be named.
2: Is not the true Dal. Yeah. The Dal that can be named is not the true Dal. Yeah. And there's a lot more than just one-liners. Um, it's it's verses, and and they're usually a few paragraphs, but they're so dense. There's so much mm. information and just those few words. I've seen written written a couple times in different places
0: where they're just that like opening statement thing and you know, page after page yeah. after page of just that without any real meat underneath of them. No,
2: there's a lot more to this book. Well, I know there is. Verses, and then he explains what they're trying to tell you. Um, I guess
0: what I'm saying is, is you can go find a Wayne Dyer book that is a Tao Te Ching that doesn't have that underneath thing. So when you go oh, looking yeah. for the book, make sure you find the one that's got the meat and potatoes underneath of it. Oh the, yeah. Uh, gotcha. Of Wayne's uh, oh, okay. commentary yeah, yeah. And, and his insight on it.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it's cool just to listen to him recite them over and over again, mm-hmm. but you're not really getting much out of that. <laughs> Unless, I guess, I don't know, maybe you could, maybe it could drill in there and
2: get So your... it's like a, me- I think I know what you're talking about. It's, it's like, like a, a, a meditation chant. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is uh, the meat and potatoes, it's the whole. Think it's 82 verses or something like yeah. that and then he he actually um, took seven different translations the most popular ones and then he meditated for a whole week over each one of these you know each verse and then he would write his part yeah and so he put a lot of time into it
0: there's a similar kind of thing with a yogic thing and I can't remember what now I can't remember what's called and I should but it's been three or four years since I graduated yoga teacher training now but there's a dang it and I want to look on my phone but I'm afraid it'll mess up the recording but it has the same a similar kind of approach where it has the yogic principles much like the Tao and much like a lot of uh, this teachings you know and uh, underneath of it are different people's interpretations so this is Wayne's interpretation those writings are as old as can be and almost probably some of the writings are kind of like biblical stuff where it's been translated so many times that you know we don't really have the we don't really have the option to go back and read the Bible as it was written, right? It's in a couple of different languages and ones that aren't really supported anymore. Yeah. Uh, that was the same way, except for you know it was written in characters that we would never have any idea what right. what they said. But now we do have teachers who will uh, who have peeled that open and and. Um, given their interpretation and uh, of course Wayne Dyer is one of the top dudes in a lot of that spiritual work. Yeah. Um, But there was a yogic one too that had a similar kind of thing that we had to study uh, in Toad Yoga teacher training.
2: Yeah, I I found Taoism actually through one of my sponsees. I was very newly sober. Uh, not newly sober, but very newly sponsoring people. I think I had just over a year, and um, this guy came into my life, and he was one of those guys that bounced around quite a bit. He's been through the program before.
0: <laughs> one of your songs that I have has that scream in the... Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> That's what it reminded home, me of. I think um, it did. <laughs> But um, anyway, so he starts. We start talking about God, and he he starts talking about nature and um, and the Tao Te Ching. And I'm like, you know, not only did I say, "Well, you just believe what you know, what you want to believe," um, when he explained it to me, and I'm like, well, "I like that concept of God better than the one I got." So that's the cool thing about AA is I'm allowed to change. So I adapted some of those things. Constantly evolves. Yeah, absolutely, and um, so that's what all these books. uh, That guy actually ended up drinking himself to death uh, right after we did our four step. I heard his fist step, He drank himself to death. Mm. Um, So. uh, So, something's want wanting me to tell as part of that story. So, I didn't hear from this guy. Um, it was like on a Friday. And then Saturday, I had this dream. And I went over to his house, and there was a bunch of people there. And some of them I knew, some of them I didn't. Um, but they were, uh, a couple of them were his friends in early recovery. And he was soaking wet. And um, I never got the answers uh, from his daughter because they were really tight-lipped about what happened to him. But uh, I can almost tell you, I, I believe that guy um, died in a bathtub or something because I don't know what the what meant. Mm-hmm. Wow. But it was weird. I had to, And he, d- he had died that day, and I had that dream about him. Uh, being wet uh, and, and I just had this feeling when I woke up I just had the feeling that something had happened and then I found out a day later that he died and that was like my first sponsee uh-huh. and then I had another sponsee again preparing for the fourth step hadn't even started it and he just starts telling me basically having the fifth step that day just starts unloading all these things That he'd done, and um, he ended up uh, ODing that, you know, the next day. Mm, So, like, two of my sponsees uh, died, I mean, within, you know, a few months of each other. And I remember going to aftercare, and Christopher pulling me aside, and he said, You know, this has nothing to do with you, right? And I'm like, Yeah. I just did what you told me. Just be available, and I was available, and I um, actually dealt with it pretty good. I, but um, that was
0: to uh, handle situations that would normally baffle you.
2: Yeah, that was my introduction to sponsorship. So. yeah, uh, I took it easy on the four steps you know, for a while. But uh,
0: fact is, oh, and, you know, this malady kills people. And I think it's probably responsible for most suicides, at some level or another, if it's not like pure alcoholism kind of thing, whatever this disconnectedness from God, this spiritual malady, this sick soul, stepped on spirit, uh, kind of want to downplay it in a sense and really think it's not a big deal, fact of the matter, it is a big deal, it's such a big deal it causes people to kill themselves take their own lives I've heard before that that's like the epitome of the self-centered self-selfish is to take your own life like that and the fact that you have calculated nobody else's emotions in on that equation um, and that's why we walk out around here carrying this message because yeah. those facts exist man uh, never known death like I know death today there's not a week that goes by that I don't know somebody, a degree or two or three away from me that is dead as a result of doper booze.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not a week that goes by. It's my friend's friend's friend or my dad, Dad, you know, he's open with me today and knows what I do and um, I and my buddy Charlie, and that's making that name up, uh, found his grandson last night, overdosed and dead. You know, uh, it's just a regular occurrence, man. It's it's uh, heartbreaking.
2: Yeah. And he, and it doesn't care. This guy was a uh, published poet. He actually was a teacher. He taught poetry, and uh, he could do things with words mm-hmm. that I could only dream of doing. Um, but none of that mattered once he put that whiskey in him. Mm-hmm. They told me he died of a heart attack. That was the reason um, that they listed. But <laughs> yeah, right. I know better than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, even yeah. when it's uh, blatant, found with a needle sitting in her arm. Yeah, it doesn't say that in the paper. Right. Uh, or very. I've never seen it. Uh, we like to hide this one. In white, white gotcha. Right. Liver disease, car wreck, suicide.
2: And Gun. it might end in a heart attack, but it, it begins might. without one. Yeah,
0: right, right. Yep, I get it. I know. Yeah. Um, it is something. But it doesn't have to be that way. Nope. And that's what Darren and I are here to tell you. Um, you know, I always like to, when I'm working with a new guy, point out that you know, I am spending my... So, I could be doing a lot of things that I like to do. I'm purposely directing my energy to helping you, you know, for free. And it's not all that uh, generous of myself, but I know I get to keep what I got. And this book tells me I'll stay sober and I'll solve other problems in my life as a result of me doing this with you. And, uh, and then we'll build this relationship and I'll have a new friend to rock with, too, at the <laughs> end of this thing. Because I'm real clear about that, too. That Yeah, I'm taking you through the steps, but on- honestly, uh, I'm hoping to build a relationship with you and be a lifelong friend with you. Yeah. That's actually my goal. Hope you get sober. If you don't, you probably won't be on that list. That's right. <laughs> but, uh,
2: well, um, teach
0: people to listen, teach people to do this stuff, and, hopefully someday uh maybe we reverse that cycle that we talked about earlier
2: i uh, i've got a roommate and it's it's 10 o'clock and uh, this is his bedtime so i could talk for another couple yeah, of hours i'm getting tired too though be respectful to him uh probably wrap it up
0: yeah i didn't know he come in he did i don't oh, think he did okay i thought you said he already did he'll stay out
2: until oh will he yeah
0: till your company leaves yeah wow yeah i don't want to make him stay out either um any closing thoughts Concluders. No,
2: I think we've pretty much covered it all. I told Christopher in
0: the last podcast, the guy that gave me the concluder thing, it's another podcaster, and he would go around the table and do a concluder, and I stole it, and then he quit doing it. And I noticed huh. as I'm listening, because I listen to him every Monday morning. I mean, it's the first thing I do on Monday morning after I get done with my other normal stuff, and when I go to work, I plug in this dude's podcast. And uh, and noticed in Monday's episode... One of his guests called him on it and said, you know, I ain't heard you say concluder in a long time. And I brought that up to Christopher uh, in the last podcast that is concluding thoughts. So after all that circle around the block, do you have any
2: concluders? I do have a concluder. I I, I wish I could quote you uh, the way that people say it, and you might know it. But um, it's basically become like a child. It talks about... Um, I actually wrote a song called "The Eyes of a Child," and and how if I could see the world through the eyes of a child, um, it'd be a I'd be a whole lot happier, and i would have a whole lot more peace. And uh, in Christianity, they say something about um, God is like living that comes from the heart of a child or having the heart of a child, but. Be, be more like children and um, accept people for who they are. Uh, be like a dog. Dogs will accept you, unless you beat on them. They'll accept you every single time. They'll be there for you. So accept you for no matter what you do. You can pick your nose in front of them, whatever. No matter how Dogs, bad your farts stink. Yeah, no, yes, exactly. They don't care. Uh, and most kids, maybe the fart thing, they'll notice. But... <laughs> Uh, most kids will accept you so acceptance um, You know be like a child accept people um, Love people without conditions um, That's like a child the child has no conditions on love We put so many conditions on if you don't do it this way or you don't do this I'm not gonna love you so unconditional love uh, like a child and um, compassion, giving, you know, uh, like a child, um, awareness, all those things. You just observe kids rather than condition kids. Um, that's your homework.
0: <laughs> Maybe think of a thing. Uh, I'll conclude with this. I picked up somewhere along my travels this thing. It's the 12 qualities of sponsorship. And I liked it so much I cut and pasted it and I give it to my people in the beginning because it gives a good idea. And it has some language in there like, I cannot fix you. Don't expect me to fix you. Um, I can't solve your problems. Uh, I won't let you sit in stuckness. I won't let you loathe uh, in, And I can't remember how it goes, something about, a, and I may have to leave if that's where you're gonna stay. I'm not going to sit with you while you don't grow. But if you continue to make any the slightest effort to continue to grow, we'll be good. But the very last one, the 12th one, says so that something about so that we can leave the childishness of man behind. And that's the one place that I always say, I have some exception about that 12th one. <laughs> Understand what they're saying. Um, that I take some. It's a more of a, of a thing of taking responsibility for myself. Right, rather than acting like a child. But I always right. clarify that, uh, no, nah, man, we're actually kind of aiming in some way right. back towards that right. child. It is in that photograph that TSSR tells us to go get? Then we find that picture of ourselves before our spirit was stepped on when we still were happy, joyous, and free. And every person that ever goes looking for that picture finds it, and there's not just one, but they find a picture of themselves back when they were really happy, joyous, and free, and it touches them and they realize that they're not there anymore, that they're all stepped on. And as we go through this work, we start emptying out that backpack of the clutter that has caused us the the boot prints that are on our spirit. We start taking those away to aim back at this. Will we ever be three again? No. And we won't be that happy and joyous and pretty either. But we aim at that. Same words that Bill used about um, enlarge and perfect our spiritual life. Careful about that word perfect just an aiming device that's the trajectory and the direction we're aiming for yeah. there's no perfect spiritual life um, and the same thing with the childishness stuff the, it's another dichotomy
2: well I think that what they're referring to the childishness I would say the conditioning of man because um, children are pretty pure and then we could spoil the shit out of them, so the childishness, the selfishness, the spoiled brat.
0: They still can uh, be that way.
2: Yeah. So, I would say that's all conditioning, though. They're not born that way. They're made that way.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, uh, you know, and I don't want to go too, we're done. Yeah. But I gotcha. Uh kids are some level born selfish when they're, they don't have a way to communicate, man, and when yeah. they're hungry or cold or uncomfortable they bitch yeah. <laughs> they cry right. you know right. and the only way to stop it is to figure out which problem because yeah. when you're a parent that's the puzzle w- which one of these things are going to turn the off button on this kid
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I mean about the dichotomy there yes. is some innate stuff in them but c- n- n- not unlike fear that sometimes keeps us alive um, there's childish properties that allow the baby to survive right. too right right and uh, anyway, you can beat these concepts to death, and I like trying.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for uh, continuing to support the podcast. Uh, I'll throw this out here if you listen to the end. In um, this little thing, man, if you want to just do some jawjacking about it, uh, the guests haven't been coming, but I want to keep it going. And maybe this is the direction that Higher uh, Power wants it to go into. Or at least that's the, that's my understanding for the moment. So, if you want to sign up and get together on uh, mobile? We can do it Zoom. We can come over to the wood shop and uh, talk recovery and beat these concepts to death on purpose because it's fun. And uh, and I'll be high when I leave here because of this. Uh, me too. Uh, I have to add the third thing I say. There's always three things I say, or two things I say when I end this podcast. But I'm gonna have to add the third one because I always do that to explain why I'm doing the other two. Uh, One of the miracles of recovery is I finally figured out that when something is not working, stop doing it. (laughs) When something's working, keep doing it. So in that regard, uh, if you're not having a recovery, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, I'm gonna blow it. If you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank you all for allowing Darren and I to participate in our recoveries in this manner tonight. Peace out.
2: Tried to do everything they said. Only give the things they would approve of. Lock away all your dreams inside your head. Year after year, you try to be a good girl. They never failed upon how when you were bad. Became a trophy for mom and dad But inside you are more.